Welcome to EJB Talks, Rutgers Blaustein School Experts in Policy, Planning, and Health, where we talk with our faculty and staff experts, as well as students, about how the fields of public policy, urban planning, public health, health administration, and public and urban informatics affect your lives. Welcome to another episode of EJB Talks. I'm Stuart Shapiro, the Associate Dean of the Faculty at the Blaustein School. And the purpose of this podcast is to talk with my colleagues and our alumni about issues affecting people in New Jersey, the United States, and the world. The effects of the pandemic and the ensuing recession are obviously widespread. Today, we're gonna talk about a few of the many economic impacts these past few months have had. Distinguished Research Professor Mike Lahr directs the Rutgers Economic Advisory Service at the Blaustein School, as well as teaching in our world-ranked urban planning program. Professor Lahr, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Mike, can you start by explaining what uh, the Economic Advisory Service, what we call RECON, is? Sure. Uh, Well, this is something started just like a year before I arrived at Rutgers in, in 1992, uh, it was started by Joe Seneca and and Norm Glickman, uh, our Airswell colleague. Uh, he, uh, the two of them, both retired and, and Norm passed away a, a year or so ago. Um, started this in what's called it was well, still is called the Center for Urban Policy Research, but it's like a two-man venture at this point. It used to be like 20 to 30, and this was started to you know give make forecasting and policy simulation tools accessible p- to people here for the New Jersey economy. And one of them was a econometric forecasting model in the vein of uh, Norm Glickman's uh, dissertation. And that was originally developed by uh, Nancy Mantel. And, and, and I brought in something called an input-output model to it, uh, go along with that. And now we do some computer general equilib- equilibrium models as well. So we produce models to uh, assess what's going on in the the economy here. But some of these models can be done anywhere. For example, the uh, CGE model, we're producing one for Philadelphia at this point. I've done work in San Antonio. So we can do some of this work all over, but the forecasting model is something that's fairly selective to New Jersey. And and so that's what a lot of what will be informing my, uh, our discussions today. So in other words, a model to to kind of predict the economy, how the economy will go in a particular area. Right, and and one of our main uh, clients there is the New Jersey Department of Treasury. Right, right. So we, most often New Jersey, but as you said, we can do, you do it for a a number of areas, depending who's interested. Um, There's probably a million things I could ask you about economic impacts, but um, since Recon's primary focus is New Jersey, let's start there. Um, what do you see as the chief vulnerabilities for the New Jersey economy in the year ahead? Well, I mean, clearly one of them is ev- almost everything related to tourism. I mean, we know, you know in our everyday lives that the you know f- re- restaurants are not up to snuff yet. They're you know at best fifty percent of ca- capacity if they're even operating. Um, that's one of them. And, and with regard to that, uh, also we know transportation is not back yet. People are not traveling on transit. We're all staying home. Uh, also, you know, we're not going abroad. We're not even traveling much within the United States by air. We tend to travel by car if we're traveling. Uh, so that whole things down. Um, and and in addition, while at present, uh, healthcare industry was getting a boost through the 
COVID cases, it was not everything. The most lucrative parts are usually surgery, surgical centers. Surgery was non-elective non surgeries were out until about a month ago. Uh, they're back, but uh, still doctors are cautious. Everybody's cautious. So you, it's only if you really need that elective surgery, uh, you can maybe get a knee replacement or something like that right now, but you wouldn't do it if you were uh, someone who uh, had several comorbidities. And uh, so that's something that's still down a bit. And, uh, and of course, then uh, in addition, anything dealing with entertainment is pretty much out. I mean, movie places, uh, going into uh, New York to see a play is out. Going to see the Yankees play in the stadium is out, not to mention the Phillies. Uh, and, and not to mention then all the other local things. It's, it's enough that some of the little leagues and so forth are actually active. But even there we see uh, some things laying low a little bit for our economy. Not that that's a big money maker. Right, and and that could last for quite a while, or it could even get worse if we have a yeah, second that's, surge. Yeah, that's the, the, the entertainment things. Really, what we don't know, we, we know pretty much know at this point. The football season is probably not going to be in play, and uh, we, while we know the basketball players may be getting together in uh, Orlando right now, even that's uh, not clear what's going to happen there for the year. So we, we have, and that's just sports uh, plays. Who knows what? I just heard that. Some of the entertainment venues are now letting go some of their employees. I guess they were, had them, uh, were paying them up to a certain point. And I just heard one of them, I can't remember which one, let things go for a while. So that's all uh, problematic. I think there's some other things that are maybe positive cures for that, that people are coming up with. Uh, and, and, and we don't hear mention much, which is, you know, the whole thing about unemployment has caused a real problem for those people who underreported their income, a lot of people in restaurants and so forth. And so they're not making mm -hmm. as much now as they were. Uh, so there's been some thought that maybe what we should do is make sure that tips or, you know, get a, do away with tips. This is kind of like the uh, Shake Shack uh, sort of thing. They don't right. let their people have tips. So the idea is they you know, pay their people a, a full like $20, $25 an hour. And then they, at least when it comes to unemployment pay, they would get a reasonable amount uh, in the long run. But this is, you know, this is one of those things we learn about. Right, right. Um, yeah, I don't think we're going to see large gatherings like theaters or, or such, at least until uh, until a vaccine is well, available. Well, yeah, cer cer certainly not uh, seeing people sing. Uh, obviously, that's been one of the right. major things that we've heard coming out of this, that you know, church choirs and other singing venues is when not only the singers got sick, but the audience did too. So these, these, that's probably the worst thing. And, and I'm not sure what will be done about that. Right. I, I saw you did something recently on, on travel and tourism. What, what's the prognosis for the Jersey shore? We're now halfway into summer. Well, um, you know, there are limits. Uh, and it, you know, the Jersey shore is actually probably not going to be hurt as bad as some other places. The only place that probably would be hurt bad is the, the only international venue along there. Although, I know that uh, having worked down in Wildwood, a lot of French Canadians went there, but that was a, a minority of the people who attended. Uh, mostly be Atlantic City will be hurt the most. That's where a lot of people came internationally, uh, not just from Philadelphia and New York, but people would come in, on, you know, arrive from Japan or Korea. And that was one of the places they would go to visit on the East Coast because they don't have gambling venues in their country. So this was one of their outlets while they were on the East Coast if they were not going to Las Vegas. So... That's, uh, you know, I think in the long run, that's going to hurt. Also, you know, the, the hotels there were a place to stay. I think 
Otherwise, the weekends will be uh, well attended. The trouble is the social distancing and the limits of the uh, beach badges by the, the municipalities for the sake of social distancing will limit the visitations more than usual. Um, that doesn't mean that they, you know, they'll be up to their fullest capacity, probably around 50 to 75 percent. Oh, I heard over even uh, Fourth of July weekend that uh, things were packed there. You know, the last past week when things were hot, the beaches were more full than they would have liked to have been. Uh, right. But, uh, but that doesn't mean they're at full tilt. So uh, you know, there's there's room to improve, but it is better than people might have hoped at the outset. Right, Atlantic City particularly vulnerable because it's based around casinos as much yeah, as right. and, and, and they're, Yeah, they're not even, and, and we're talking again about entertainment and restaurants and, and when right. you're indoors, and that's what all of them are, they, you can't open up. So they have real issues there. And, and I, I, who knows when all that will open up? I'm sure they're pushing hard and lobbying hard for the state, but uh, they're also trying to be good guys because everybody envisions them as, as kind of an, a necessary evil of sorts. Right. I mean, at the, at the very least, we think of things like that as a luxury. Um, but the reality is, of course, there's a lot of downstream effects of cutbacks in going to places like casinos or even nationwide, a cutback in tourism. Can you talk about some of those downstream Yeah, well, and, and, and the casinos have a particular thing because when they were set up, the uh, New Jersey... Uh, assemblies and, and, and uh, Senate were very thoughtful and thought about the development of New Jersey's economy with regard to the casinos, you know, making sure that their employees, uh, at least those in the casino floor, lived in state and that they did as much purchasing within the state as possible. So uh, there, and now that has waned as the economy and, and the casinos have weakened, but um, that is they purchase more things from outside the state. But the, still, they're more reliant than the average hotel is in the state. They're also 50% of the hotel space in the state. So right. when we see accommodations going down, the bulk of that is Atlantic City. And there were concerns already, of course, about the Atlantic City casinos performing poorly due to incursions from casinos in uh, Pennsylvania, Delaware, and, and New York. And, and there's going to be more in New York and Philadelphia. There was one going to be right outside of uh, Citizens Bank Park that opened this year. Of course, it's not opening, but still, that every time a new hotel or casino opens out near within two hours of the Atlantic City, it bites into the Atlantic City casino economy. And any new casinos in uh, Atlantic City at this point really just cannibalize other casinos there. So the whole competition, there was already problems in competition, and this is just going to hurt them. Fortunately, they're usually larger companies, and so uh, they may be able to sustain this economy. And that's really what's the sore point at the Jersey Shore, is that a lot of people were entrepreneurial and opening up new businesses, and this is what's going to be killed. And, and that's really probably, when you ask about downstream effects, that's probably the main thing. On the other hand, there are, uh, you know, one of the things that may, may be a positive come out of this, and I hate to say this because it's such a negative thing, but uh, is, you know, the job quality, and we, when we economists talk about job quality, we're talking about usually 10 dimensions. One is level of pay, stability and predictability of pay, the predictability of hours, control of hours that the workers have, job security, employee benefits, 
these were all on the low side of, of the, in the tourism industry. So the idea is maybe, you know, some of the New Jersey employees may find something more stable in the long run. Of course, right now the problem is nobody's able to find many new jobs as it is. So uh, right. the idea is there may be some ability to convert for those people who uh, usually rely on this for summer money. And, and they may, as things bounce back elsewhere, find other positions or retrain themselves. There are a lot of retraining programs going Right. Um, well, that's that's at least something something hopeful there. But yeah, it's hopeful. I'm not saying it's it's happening, but it's something. Right. And who knows how long the long run is? I mean, the long <laughs> well, run well, could you know, be quite a while. Kane said, "In the long run, we're all dead." So. Right. Exactly. That's. Uh, I was going to say that if you didn't. Oh, uh, sorry about that. <laughs> Thanks for the feed. Um, so right now, as, as we're talking in Washington, Congress is debating the next relief bill. And this one is more contentious than the previous one. Back in March, April, everyone realized we were in a crisis and nobody was in complete denial about it. We're still in the crisis, but now some people have moved to the denial stage. Um, and so there's going to be a lot of discussion and debate over what should and should not be in this relief bill, which is almost certainly going to be the last one um, of, of calendar year 2020. Um, where do you think they should uh, Congress should be devoting its resources um, from an economic standpoint? Well, I mean, there's there's some gaps that have been persistent and, and one that concerned me right from the outset, and that is, you know, people paying their rents, especially if you lost your job or you know, at least had your hours reduced substantially. Well, you know, some people effectively um, got, uh, you know, pay increases, say, from the boost of $1,200 a month plus their unemployment checks. Uh, there are a bunch of people who lost their jobs and while they and maybe couldn't apply right away or didn't or worse, uh, you know, just never got the hours to be able to pay rents. And rents here in New Jersey, and generally speaking, are not low. Uh, they're lower in uh, South Jersey than North. But if you're living in North Jersey, it's very tough. So one of the things I think, and, and I've not heard much discussion of this, is low interest loans, at least to landlords and, and, and uh, potentially uh, retailers and restaurants, at least something that would enable them to continue uh, for the reasons I mentioned before, you know, the small business, small businessmen are uh, not able to survive this kind of a situation, the entrepreneur, and, and low interest loans, <clears throat> something on the order of 2 to 3% that they would have to pay, but still pay it back would help. Otherwise, what right now, all that's happening is the rents are being deferred. Uh, right. They're, they're not, uh, they will eventually have to pay it back. It may be that their rents become 120% of what they are for the next year or something like that. But it'd be helpful if somehow they, you know, didn't, they didn't, or the landlords didn't have to pay uh, the interest on that because eventually they're going to have to pay it. And when that happens, uh, commercial uh, properties were going to be devalued next year somewhere in New Jersey. And so we'll have lower, well, somehow the budgets will have to be met, but we'll have, you know, that what will happen is we all residential areas will have to have higher tax rates as a result if they downgrade the values of the commercial properties. I mean, you, you can see where everything's cascading here in New Jersey, at right. least. Uh, it, it's not, I think something like a low interest loan would really be beneficial because the, you know, the government's really only paying on anybody who defaults on those loans. Of course, they can secure them with you know, mortgage uh, insurance 
or something like that. But the other thing is they're only really paying for the interest on those loans in the long right. run. So it would be or part of the interest. And it would really be, a, I think, a bang for the buck-wise. I think that's always the best thing. Um, mm -hmm. I, the one other thing I think they should stop is make sure that people like you and me, Stuart, don't get those uh, $600 checks we were getting. Right. I'm not that I don't need them, but I have full salary. You know? But uh, I, I'm just saying there's some things that probably shouldn't be done, and, and, and we didn't get to this, but one of the groups that's not uh, spending as much as usual is not the poor. The poor are actually spending as much in, in the middle class as well. It's the wealthy, and they're down something on the order of 10% in their spending because they can't do the luxury things. We can't go on right. an international vacation. We can't go on vacations to Rocky Mountain State Park. We, um, the we can't do a lot of things that we might ordinarily do, or if we can, we're not doing it. We're not buying new cars because we haven't been using our cars, or we're not going out getting that new yacht because what's the point? I can't really uh, go out in the ocean with a whole crew of people anyway. So there's a lot of things that are being disabled that are luxury goods, uh, and so that group uh, is is likely to save their money or be spent, maybe some pent up demand, but a lot of it's just being saved up for later vacations. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure how many, you know, I'm sure I'm not going to be able to use all my vacation this year. I'm something. Right. Like it's right. a, I mean, it's a cardinal rule of economic stimulus that if you give money to poor people, they're going to spend it. And it's going to go yeah. back into the economy. And That's true. And they, and they will. I mean, this is the thing that they definitely will here and they have um, what they spend on, Maybe things they maybe shouldn't, but that's another that's another kettle of fish. All right, we're 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 almost out of time, but I do want to give you a chance to talk a little bit about the global impacts. You recently wrote a paper on uh, on global inequality. Do you want yeah, to say well, a few you know, words about that? Yes. Yeah, so I, you know, a lot of my well, my recent my uh, contract research is mostly in New Jersey and in the United States. Every once in a while, I do things with others and talk about broader things. And so we did some work. Uh, looking at countries, because one of the obvious things that came out of this is, you know, as I just mentioned, wealthier people aren't spending as much. So if the wealthy countries aren't spending as much, the thought is that they would be the ones that would be, uh, their economies would, in terms of GDP, suffer most. And that's what most economists were thinking. And our point was, hey, look, that's, that's what's apparent, but we have these things called supply chains and value chains, where, you know, our economy is diverse. That is, you know, when you buy a, an, uh, an iPhone, well, you know, maybe 20% of the value of that is produced here in the, in the United States. The rest is along the Pacific Rim, like in Taiwan, Japan, Korea, and China. And it's assembled in China and sent here. So China doesn't even have that much as far as parts in it. And so the idea is, you know, just because it's sold here and meets the demand here doesn't mean it's produced here. And, and I know we're all cognizant of that, but some of these people in even the field of economics don't think about things that deeply. And our thought was, well, maybe the things will be different uh, and, and it will be the poor countries who are actually suffering as a result of that. So we just did kind of a, a little quick simulation saying what happens if demand uh, cuts 10% across the board. It's probably more than that. Actually, I noticed the jobs are down 25% here in New Jersey, for example, um, according to our colleagues, or former colleagues, uh, Jim Hughes and Joe Seneca. And so, uh, at least at this point, so the idea is um, what, will, um, what will be the uh, net effect? And in fact, we showed, well, it was close, but the balance is that in fact, the poorer countries are suffering most. And it wasn't a really big surprise to me, but that we just were trying to 
show people that hey, this you know this is not only are they dying more because they don't have as good much health care and so forth in places like India and uh, southern South Asia and, and the Middle East, but they're also suffering economically far worse, not just because they're losing the employment, but because the uh, demand is down in, in the Western countries. So uh, that was really all we, we did. It was just a, a little quick piece. We hoped to get into a, a journal that was requesting manuscripts. I'm, right. It was right. a nice little piece and just to show something different uh, that people was different than what people supposed yeah no it, it it strikes me whenever whenever things go bad it's it's the poor countries and the poor people and that's and that's who's suffering here in this economy i mean it's yep. really it's not us wealthy we we, we, we you know i'm not no we're doing us in there we're, we're in a definitely in the top 10 percent um i think the irs is listening mike uh, well you know uh you know 10 percent sounds like but but you know when we're in new jersey probably i'm in the only in the top 30%. Um, <laughs> you have to be wealthy here in New Jersey to live here. Um, so uh, basically, it's, you know, look who, what's, what's suffering. It's the you know, entertainment industry. Well, while we have the sports players making millions of dollars, most of the people are like uh, ballet artists, uh, ballerinas, and so forth, who are, you know, some of them are making close well, to... And, and the hot dog vendors. And, and, and the hot dog vendors. outside the, the stadiums. And the person like who's, that. you know, the waiters and waitresses who are... Right. You know, the people, hair, you know, in, they're back in business now, but the beauty parlors and barbers, I mean, we're, you go through them, you know, people that the dry cleaners, these are not people who are, generally speaking, wealthy or high income. It's the low income jobs that are suffering. And... The sad part is really the people who transmitted to and brought it overseas were the wealthy. They went over yeah. to conferences in Europe or in China and so forth and brought it back here. It's it's really one of those sad stories that, you, as you said, it's always the poor that suffer. Yeah. Well, on that uh, that that cheerful note, we will we'll, yeah. we'll call it a wrap. A big thank you to Michael Lahr and, of course, to our production team, Tamara Swedberg, Amy Cobb, and Karen Olson. We'll be taking a few weeks off to end the summer and to start the new school year here at the Blaustein School, but we'll be back with a new season of podcasts in early September, and we'll hope you'll be listening then. Thanks for listening.